If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Welcome back to Fast Forward. Funding is always a huge topic among the startups we work with here at Tech Manchester. Through this podcast, we endeavour to explore the myriad of options available. In this episode, I wanted to look at the role of platform cooperatives and the alternative it offers to venture capital funded platforms. Sounds incredibly new, um, sounds something that I haven't heard a lot about, which is why we wanted to get the guests on today. To explain more about how the model works, what types of businesses can explore this type of funding and the benefits of the cooperative model. I have with me today, James Delevingne, Senior Projects Manager at Cooperatives UK and Emma Back, co-founder of Equal Queer Co-op. Welcome everybody. Hi Trish, thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank you, hello. So I am very excited about getting under the skin of the cooperative funded model because I think it's a new area that I don't hear a lot of a lot of startups exploring, but I think it's an incredibly valid one. Um, but James, I want to start with you a little bit first. Um, can you tell us a bit about Cooperatives UK and what you guys do there? Absolutely. And I think it's a great place to start because there's a big misconception around the word cooperative. Uh, co-ops are more than just a store. They're more than just the places where you might help to pick up a piece of uh, some milk. Yeah. Um, so the the cooperative model is uh, is actually founded here in Manchester um, about 170 um, years ago, and it's now a global movement. And in the UK, there are 7,000 cooperative businesses um, operating in every sector. So from energy to health and social care to mm -hmm. retail, um, and it's a model that we feel. Uh, as the trade body for that movement uh, that has huge potential going forwards um, because cooperatives address real needs. They're member-owned businesses. That means that the people working or that are closest to the business have a stake and uh, a level of control over that, that business through dem uh, democratic participation. So co-ops are, um, are well-rooted. They've got a really long history um, and... Uh, Cooperatives UK is keen to promote that. So we have a mission to promote, develop and unite the cooperative movement in the UK. So that's our role. Nice. So the, um, I guess, industry and obviously how we've evolved, we're talking about the fourth um, industrial revolution now. So no doubt that has had an impact on the types of businesses that, that you're looking to engage with. And that's where this um, sort of term platform co-ops has been coined from. Can you elaborate to us a little bit about what that is actually looking to target or what it actually means 
um, and how the funder model actually works. Sure. So platform co-ops is a relatively new term, um, but it's a form of cooperative uh, business um, that exists utilising the platform model. And the best way to describe it is to think of existing uh, platform businesses that we use in every in everyday life and then try to flip that in terms of its ownership structure. So imagine a music streaming platform, for instance, Spotify, but that was owned by the artists and the fans of the music. Now, that actually exists. There's a fantastic platform called Resonate out there. Or imagine if owners owned, uh, if, if drivers owned Uber. Yeah. Um, so it's really taking those everyday platforms that uh, that we utilize and we become dependent on to, to for products and services, but changing the way that those businesses are, are owned and fundamentally re-engineering the ownership structure so that the benefits, the proceeds of those businesses don't leave those closest to it. So they're not going to distant shareholders, but they're being retained by the people generating the wealth or the the, the labor. Yeah. So it's almost like investing for good. Yes, absolutely. Nice. And I'd say that the platform co-op movement here in the UK and through our work is very much aligned with the tech for good sort of movement, um, the Zebras Unite movement. And so we're seeing a lot of interest from those areas. So from founders who are looking for alternative ways to establish their business that enable them to retain a level of control, not just at the start, but sort of in perpetuity. Mm. Um, and what are community shares like, how does that work? Sure. So there are there are community co-ops all around the country. Um, and these are quite a lot of these community co-ops have been saving local assets, um, quite often pubs. So the local mm-hmm. pub might be closing down and the community around that pub say, we, you know, we want this, we think it's an important asset in our area. So they collectively come together, they form a cooperative and they raise the capital in order to save that asset. And they become co-owners of that, that mm-hmm. pub or that library service or um, there's some great examples. In fact, there's one just a stone's throw from here, the Hume Community Garden Centre. Really? Has, yeah, has just raised um, a significant amount of capital to develop its infrastructure. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and it's so there's those examples. I exist. didn't know that they were cooperative. Though. Yeah, I know Rachel. <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah, there and, yeah. and and there are other examples here in the city um, and all across the country. In fact, community co-ops, over 500 community co-ops, have raised over 150 million pounds in what we call community shares over the last nine or 10 years. Um, and that's leveraged in a further sort of 150, 200,000 in debt or loan mm. finance, grant finance, et cetera. So it's quite an established model. And it's it's a way that the cooperative is able to raise capital by issuing shares. Um, and they're withdrawable shares and non-transferable shares. So these are shares that you can purchase as an investor, but you can't trade them on an open market. Mm-hmm. But if you do want your money back, you can then go back to the cooperative at a later date and say, I'd like to withdraw my shares and that may be done over time or that might be in one yeah. go um but it's, it's a f- like a shareholder agreement absolutely and it's a Your really co-founder gets first dibs absolutely <laughs> and it's uh it's it's proven so it's a it's a really well entrenched model for community co-ops and we see it being mirrored in the platform co-op space nice so rather than a geographic community you have a community of interest um, and we're starting to see some traction in that space. And I'm delighted that Emma's here to talk about her experiences with that. Brilliant. So let's bring in Emma and I, because I'm really excited to talk to you. I love talking to female founders and I love that you're in fintech. Um, so you've uh, founded <laughs> Equal Care Cooperative. That's right. Um, you've described it as a care and support platform, but we were just chatting on it. You've just come out of a fintech accelerator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, yeah, so which is a little to... bit left to feel, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, so tell me, tell us a bit about it. Um, so I, um, I mean, Equal Care Co-op came about because um, my background's in social care. 
Um, and I kind of came across this idea in social care called co-production, um, which is kind of pretty well established now. But essentially, it's about people who are receiving the care and support and to some extent the people who are giving it having an equal say in the design and delivery of, of how that support's given um uh and then also kind of delivering giving it themselves um so through peer support and things like that and um i was also seeing kind of systemic issues with being able to actually deliver that so organizations tend to be social care organizations especially tend to be very hierarchical the way that commissioning in social care works means that a lot of the power in terms of how those services are delivered is concentrated in the hands of the commissioners of those services um and then in the providers as well uh, when they bid for them um so i was kind of casting around for a way to both recognize that things like peer support re are real work um, with with skills and um, can have kind of an incredible level of impact uh, on the people that peer supporters can help. Um, uh, so there was that. And then I was also looking at kind of the different types of entity, kind of the different models, like, you know, charity, kick, kind of yeah. private, private business. And none of them really fit. My background wasn't, I'd never really heard it. I mean, I was like, oh, the co-op group, milk. You know? <laughs> <Yep>. um, <laughs> um, and yeah, it was this kind of weird moment where I sort of like, oh, duh moment kind of, oh, yeah. this is why cooperatives exist because they've already gone through that, in the, all of that thinking yeah. um, around uh, ownership, user voice um, and kind of the, yeah, the ability of the people who are directly involved in that business to control it um, rather than this kind of, yeah, just being kind of at the at the um, at the receiving end of it. Um, and yeah, and then so I came across platform cooperativism, which was. Um, and how did you come across that? Because that's what I'm that really was interested in. Like, so that's Trebel yeah. Schultz. He's the one that he and Nathan Schneider wrote a paper together in 2016, I think is when it was published with the New School in New York. Um, and it was basically this kind of excoriating rant about platform <laughs> businesses today and how they um, are exploiting both the workers and the people who are using those those services. Yeah. Um, so by the advent of the gig economy. The advent of the gig economy, kind of really high take rates um, on the per hour charges, um, the huge amount of money that's kind of flooding into this area with with um, in Silicon Valley and beyond. Um, and I, I like think of platform businesses as like the hungry cro crocodiles game, kind of wherever you look, you're like, oh, there's another one. <laughs> there's another one. <laughs> and there's about 15 care and support platforms that have popped up over the last mm. three years as well. Um, the Where the Finance Innovation Lab comes in uh, was kind of going back to the peer support piece and going, all right, well, you know, there's not very much money in the care and support system at the moment. Hopefully that will change. Um, but looking for a way to both kind of recognize that that labor of of support um uh that both peer supporters and community volunteers offer um and being able to embed an alternative currency of some description into the platform 
Um, so, yeah, that's that and also transparency and visibility over the budgets that people get given by local authorities over mm-hmm. there f- to spend on their social care, which at the moment is very opaque, very difficult to manage. And um, so those kind of two elements were why we were on this incubator, which nice. was a real insight into, yeah, the, the well, ethical finance world, but um, also sort of fintech and, yeah, startup and equity stuff. So tell me a bit about how your your specific platform works in. What what, what will it aim to do? Um, so its core work is to be matching people who would are looking for support in their own homes with um, people who are qualified and able to give it uh, and um, being able to make use of the fact that we're a cooperative um, and also kind of we're building a platform so that has kind of efficiencies see embedded into it mm-hmm. to um, enable those workers to be paid a much higher hourly rate than um, than is the norm at the moment, yeah. which is kind of minimum wage and often below, actually, um, for many of the care agencies. Uh, so that's kind of the the, the business model. Yeah. Um, and um, but it goes kind of it's like we're very inspired by this um, self-managing um, method of organizing, which comes from the Netherlands called Burtzorg, uh, which is called neighborhood What's care. It it's called Burtzorg. 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 Which is uh, neighborhood care. It's like really um, it's getting very sort of popular over here. Sort of the NHS are excited about it and um, uh, various local authorities. Um, And it's essentially kind of peer-led teams. Um, But we're looking at that from a much more sort of grassroots community model. So it's not just kind of professional care workers that are in those teams. It's volunteers, it's family members, it's people receiving support as well. Um, And those circles are kind of the locus of of authority, really, for how the care and support happens in that area. Um, And then can make use of the platform for... Um, both things like around kind of quality, uh, managing risk, um, the recruitment, the um, and then sort of the infrastructure for care coordination, um, and uh, recognising those volunteer contributions. Um, not to mention bringing in the business. <laughs> definitely the pace that keeps the wheels going. Yeah. Um, so you've been going. You were saying um, twelve months now. And um, James, how did you and Emma? Uh, or how did Emma find the co-op? How did you find Emma? <laughs> what happened? You know, how are you both sitting here? You know, how did that all come about? And so, what's the process a startup might want to go spell. through to find out more about this? Sure. So um, Emma, Emma, as I think she said, found the idea of the co-op model. And, and the Cooperatives UK hosts events across the um, the calendar to try and engage with our existing membership, but encourage new um, new entrants into the market. And so we share ideas, stories, best case ex- um, scenarios, etc. cetera. And, uh, and, and Emma came to our annual, one of our biggest events a couple of years ago and, and said she wanted to understand more about the co-op movement and to see if the co-op movement could help and respond. And they really did. And they came back and lots of people sort of recognised what Emma was looking to achieve with the Equal Care Co-op and came and, and offered support. And that was including ourselves. So we run a number of business support initiatives um, for a for new entrants or startup co-ops um, that that help people navigate those sort of very early stages of understanding what it means to have shared ownership or democratic ownership, mm-hmm. um, which is very different from a sort of traditional startup. And so we we sort of paired Emma with some advisors and, and get, hopefully gave some sound advice uh, to help to help mm-hmm. um, Equal Care Co-op on it in, in its sort of first few stages. Um, and more recently, also, we've we've also been able to support Emma in her fundraising. 
Um, yeah, so tell me about that. You've raised 400,000 pounds. 410,000 pounds. Sorry, 410,000 pounds. Yeah. And so what does that look look like when you're in a cooperative model? And where have you raised that money? And whose money is it? And I have a million (laughs) million questions. (laughs) I don't know, Emma, do you want to start? And James, you jump in. Um, Sure. So, yeah, I mean, starting out... um, I mean, because we we incorporated in February 2018, uh, we didn't we weren't able to get jobs from the cooperative until um, that October, and uh, we were kind of limping along on this sort of a, a small like like drip fed small grants. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the way that we got through the first year through yeah. bootstrapping, um, totally bootstrapping, um, and uh, having like a little bit of money from here, a little bit of money from there. So sort of unlimited help to Paul Hamlin Foundation, um, Nesta, uh, um, really great actually. Um, but it was still as I sort of started to look around, especially the seeing what startups look, the kind of money that startups look for for private equity. Like God, this is this isn't going to work <laughs> if we keep relying on, you know, I mean, there's yeah. one grant that we got, which is like £4,458 and 10 pages of re- of reporting on that. It's yeah. sort of, yeah, no, that this isn't going to work. Um, and so then this was really through Unfound, which is the platform co-op accelerator that Co-ops UK ran in 2018. Yep. And um, so that's where I really learned about the community share model and was and, and was like, right, yes, I think this is this is our route to raising some real investment and um, to being able to to start putting ourselves yeah. on a level footing with the likes of kind of the yeah other big entrants in the market. Um because uh, yeah, we don't want to be super ethical but have really bad user experience. That's that's not how that's that's not, not the route to success, is it? Particularly <laughs> from what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So um, so running the community share offer was I th- I think I'm right in saying that we are the first organisation in the UK to run a share offer without an asset. So we don't have a pub that we can sell if mm-hmm. everything goes wrong. We don't have a wind farm. We don't have, you know, yeah, we don't we don't we don't have an asset. What we have is a business model and um a intellectual plan. property. And yeah. <laughs> and the intangibles. The intangibles, exactly. Um so community share offers had never been used to raise finance for that kind of digital business before whereas in the kind of equity startup world this is so common like yeah. that yeah to a penny you know um and in terms of where the money came from I was expecting to know maybe 80% of the people who put money in we had an average investment of 2500 pounds mm-hmm. um that's excluding the institutional investment from Co-ops UK, um, and it was the flip of the flip of that. I knew maybe twenty percent of the names that invested, and I mean we had an eighteen percent conversion rate through Twitter, which everyone says is you, you can't you can't get conversions through Twitter. And so <laughs> there's all yeah all of this yeah. kind of received wisdom about what's successful and what's what not. What you can't do, yeah. Um, and we practiced. We ran a crowdfunding campaign in December through Crowdfunder um, to work out how to actually use things like social media and Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and so kind of do all that initial learning and that was donation based we raised 23,000 through that um and then uh the actual 
share offer we ran through FX, mm-hmm. um, which see have a FX, FX, E-T-H-E-X, yes, um, which have a network of uh, social impact investors and kind of people who, yeah, want to use their money to do good. So that's what my next question was, is like, who are these, who are the people and how did they find out about you? But it's through an investment channel. Yeah. They, and it's people who have an appetite for that type of social impact investment who are looking for people like you. Yes. I mean, Emma's, exactly. Emma's doing her and herself a team of every just, just to see <laughs> because they, they work really hard for too much. I mean, you campaign tirelessly during your share issue you to drive interest and to maintain that level of interest. And there's the valley of death in the middle of a share issue where no one seems to be buying any shares. Yeah. Uh, but then it sort of spikes towards the end. And actually, that's where Cooperatives UK comes in. So we invest mm-hmm. as an institutional investor. So in this instance, we were really delighted to be able to invest just over 170000 in equal care. Um, recognizing that institutional investment provides some investors with the assurances or confidence that actually this is a really good idea. This is a really valuable contribution and that we need equal care to succeed. And I think by having Cops UK or other investors or businesses sort of um, contribute in that way, Mm. you're kind of making a really strong signal. And so we see it as match investment. So we will match um, up to the broader community's investment up to 170 thousand pounds in this instance and actually they you know went Blue. way through that you yeah know, through the ceiling um and so this works in the sense of um so you buy the share cooperative uk have bought the shares yeah and um your share value will go up like any no, no? so this is one of the things about so, community shares is that they're not regulated by the fca because they don't change in value okay um the only way that they can change in value is if you get an audit and then the value of your organization is downgraded by the auditors yeah so they can't they can never go up um which is why they're an unregulated investment um and they can't be traded which is also why yep um but, but we so, will receive interest on yes. those shares. Okay. So there's a... So we're trying to work out what's the benefit for not just Cooperative UK, yeah. but for anybody who might be considering this as an investment yeah. por- channel sure. in their portfolio, what's in it for them kind well, of thing other yeah. than doing good. I think it's really important to Those couch. investors, they like to make money. They do need to, be, yeah, and absolutely. And this will appeal to a certain type of investor and that's what mm-hmm. we've noticed and that's what the FX platform in, manages to do is it sort of builds a community of patient capital investors. So these are people who are looking, who, who would like to see a return, but the return doesn't need to be five years. It mm-hmm. doesn't need to be short term um, and the margins might be slightly lower. So Cooperatives UK will receive interest on our investment um, up until the point that we want to withdraw, and we'll take uh, we'll start to withdraw over time. Yeah. Um, and that may be replaced by trading profits, or it may be tra- um, replaced by another share issue. So there might be liquid liquidity can be addressed in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But we will absolutely benefit. So the money that we then are investing in these societies is actually being recycled into a development fund, into a, a fund that we can continue to invest in other societies. Okay. Um, and we're at the early stages of those. And um, Cooperatives UK is aiming to invest up to three million pounds in a in a handful of societies by the end of next year or the year after, um, and uh, and we we're, we're starting to see other investors come to us to say actually I really like what you're doing, really recognise the value that you add the, to the groups that you're investing because we we, we will help um, we play an active investor role, so we'll, we'll kind of keep close, check that the business mm. is doing well, try to offer support where we can. Um, and and that sort of value add proposition means that that we will hopefully see that fund grow quite quickly over the next few years, and we'll be supporting more and more startups like Emma's um, in in different sectors. Um, and that's really the ambition here is to sort of say, look, it's it's completely possible. There's uh, you can definitely 
encourage a community of interest to invest. Um, the business models are sound. The investments are sound. Mm-hmm. How do one, we grow the market? One of the key attractors of the investment, which um, isn't possible when you're investing with an asset-backed community share, is that we were eligible for Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme relief. Oh, yeah. Um, so inve- individual investors uh, were able to get 50% back off the value of their investment uh, through tax relief, um, both for, from income tax and capital gains tax. So mm-hmm. there was a potential for them to, I can't remember the percentage, but it was something like around 60-something percent, but that, that yeah. if they took full advantage of that scheme, they could just immediately get that back. Yeah. Um, uh, and then also enterprise investment scheme relief yeah uh beyond the first right. 150,000 invested so that yeah because we i mean we were offering a small we we are offering a small um return of only three mm. percent yeah um so yeah the seis eis really really helped it helps incentivize the yeah. investors so for yeah. investors that are looking to maybe have a little bit of a diversity in their portfolio or looking to balance some of their more commercially driven uh, decisions with some uh, social impact um, and sustainable um, yeah. investments that the cooperative model is a way to go. Um, this ethics uh, capital platform, mm-hmm. is that run by the cooperative or who runs that or no, where does that come from? It's an independent and then there's a couple of intermediaries in the in the market at the moment that will host your share issue. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll help facilitate the sort of the capital raise um, during that point. Um, and, and we encourage either or, depending on the sort of the nature of your of your business and who your audience is going to be. Um, and some societies or some co-ops will just go alone, so they'll just put it onto their website. They do all the marketing themselves. They have a strong donor base locally, yeah, um, yeah. and they're able to reach out. Um, if it's the local pub or whatever, absolutely. Yeah, but when it's you're going to so, be on your Facebook page, yeah, and, but, but with equal care, it's nationwide. And, mm. and I, if I'm, I'm pretty sure it's nationwide in terms yeah. of your investor mm-hmm. base. Oh, I love the idea of it. I think it's brilliant. I mean, putting the power of um, caring into the hands of the actual carers who are delivering it, yeah, and, and, and the people receiving incentivizing it, incentivizing them to multi-stakeholder. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, so you mentioned, Emma, in your chat there about Unfound, um, James, I think you might want to elaborate on this. Is this the Accelerator <laughs> yes, program? Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, tell us a bit about that and who it's open to and sure. how we can get involved. So Unfound is a partnership between Cooptus UK, a really wonderful um, organisation called Stir to Action. Um, they're a, uh, a, a magazine that talks about the new economy um, and they deliver a handful of programmes and it was a programme funded by the Cooptive Bank. So we ran a, a pilot accelerator and we supported eight co-ops um, in 2018, Equal Care Co-op being one of and the most successful out of that cohort. Um, and then this year, we because this is such a new space, we recognised that we needed to do a bit of campaigning on the topic. So we took the message out on the road. We travelled to 14 different cities and we, were, we engaged with the Tech for Good networks and other areas to try and say platform co-ops are here, they're really viable um, and since then, we've seen some traction with with entrepreneurs, startups, um, looking to say, how, how do we how do we learn more about this? What's yeah. what are the implications for me as a founder adopting this model? And so um, we're now having conversations with funders and partners to look at putting perhaps a more uh, developed program of support available into the marketplace for 2020. So that might be longer term incubators rather than accelerators. Uh, we're looking to grow the investment fund further so that we can continue to match um, invest with others. Um, and we're looking to support some of the, the next the next equal care. So we need more, mm. more examples in the marketplace uh, to be able to signpost to. And we're seeing those come through already. So as a result of Unfound, as a result of 
the fact that this is a global movement gaining interest. In fact, there's a really great conference that we'll both be in uh, presenting at later this year. Where's that? In New York, um, which is kind of... In the, York or New, New York? York? New York. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Convened by Trevor Schultz. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's a really... Uh, there's around 300 platform co-ops globally um, from Brazil to North America. But in the UK, we're seeing some real traction in, in new audiences. And so... Um, we're going to try and continue to promote that message. And when we do talk to people, it really seems to resonate and uh, and that that's the kind of audience we're trying to capture. So it's a kind of watch this space for 2020. We, we should have um, a bit more of a sign in terms of where and when, but there'll probably be physical location-based sort of support programs. So um, there may well be one in Manchester, London, etc. There will be. There will be one in Manchester. There we go. Yeah, there will be. I mean, it's got to be one in Manchester. Um but yeah, so we're really we're really encouraged by the the level of interest that we're receiving. It could have been we could have toured the country and had very little uptake. Actually, we're getting emails regularly from people saying, "Is this a platform co-op, or can I convert my existing startup to a platform co-op?" And there's a huge opportunity to do that. You, you, the conversion. So a founder might be sort of a few months in, but as long as they haven't sold or and taken too much equity investment, there's the option to convert to sort of a cooperative structure. Um, and so, yeah, we're trying to speak to as or many. Or they could buy back there. Absolutely, yeah. To go down that road. Yeah, if you went down that road. What about bigger um, platform businesses like you were talking about, the likes of Uber? I mean, they could really do with turning it into a cooperative and give the ownership to the drivers, <laughs> couldn't they? Yeah. Um, like, is that possible? Um, it, no, probably Maybe not Uber. But no, probably not that sort of scale. Yeah. Um, there was this really brilliant campaign about four or five years ago to buy Twitter as a co-op, it was called, mm-hmm. Re- recognising that users of Twitter generate the value for Twitter. And so everyone who's on the platform should really be a co-owner and benefiting from the billions yeah. that they make. Um, and we managed to get, when I say we, the campaign managed to get a resolution at one of their uh, AGM meetings, um, but it wasn't passed. But anyway, I think there is appetite from... From younger founders to and and others to recognise that that these platforms that are becoming ubiquitous that that sort of are part of every day of our lives. Yeah, we're um, fueling that value. Absolutely, and uh, and both in terms of data and the way that we use mm. these platforms, and actually, there's got to be a fundamental shift in how that value is distributed. Yeah, um, and so we think we're sort of three or four years ahead in terms of being able to provide a viable model that enables that to happen. Maybe we should all get together on a. On an ISP. There we go, build, yeah. Build an ex-Google for ourselves. Um, so what types of organisations does this funding model really work for? Sure. So um, I'd say, and you mentioned on the gig economy earlier, mm. so it's really about um, those sorts of services that enable um, people who would potentially be in precarious work to sort of come together as a group and to find strength and solidarity in that group. So we're seeing new entrants in the market um, in the translation services, for instance. So these are people scattered around the country mm-hmm. um, providing services to the police, the national health services, the judiciary system, etc. Um, and actually, at the moment, they're just run by agencies that are taking massive cuts off these, these sole traders who are providing a service. But actually, by them coming together and creating their own platform, they're sort of removing the middleman. And it's the removing of the middleman that sort of makes these things uh, viable. Um, and so, yeah, we're seeing it a lot in creative uh, industries where lots of sole traders or, or sort of the gig economy alternatives. We don't think it's about trying to find the challenge to Uber and create a taxi co-op. I don't think that's really possible. But there yeah. are new markets where things are uh, are happening. Well, that, small ones can work in regional towns. Absolutely. And there's mm-hmm. a really interesting opportunity, both for equal care and other 
co-ops. So there's a really great platform co-op called Co-op Cycle based out of Paris. They they built a platform that uh, facilitates local deliveries. So to basically to counter Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Um, and riders can set up their own co-op locally and access that platform. Um, but they, their co-op is owned locally. They, they make the rules, et cetera, of how they, mm. they run their business, the kind of businesses they'll deliver for, et cetera. But they're all based off a central platform. And that's now European-wide. There are, um, I, I think we're into the hundreds now of local instances of those co-ops running off the singular platform. And so that's how you achieve scale. And it could be the same with Equal Care. Yeah, we're looking at a very similar model. So what advice would you both have for anyone um, looking to uh, look at the cooperative model? What would you suggest to them as their sort of first steps and uh, what should they do next after listening to this podcast? Don't rush into incorporation. Yeah. So there's a real <laughs> pitfall in terms of just thinking. As I, in become limited? Just, yeah. I mean, don't go, don't legally register your entity until you absolutely have to. Don't just listen to... Um, solicitors and lawyers in terms of who and what might be your most appropriate model, do your research. It's a bit of a fear factor though, isn't it? I think, you yeah. know, they immediately mm-hmm. think, oh, I need to become limited because I need to protect, yes. you know, my family home or whatever. And so I think, but it's the, the the traditional business advice network will not know the cooperative option. So if this has sparked interest, go to unfound.coop. There's a whole host of really helpful resources on there or check out thehive.coop, which is our other business support program. Um, or drop unfound at uk.coop an email. We'll send all these links to you and we mm-hmm. can um, sort of help you through some in, any initial inquiries. But don't don't jump into uh, yeah into sort of uh, registration. Think about ownership. Think about longer term. Who's this for? Where do you want the ownership to sit in the long term? Um, and then think about, does this model sound like I could raise capital in this way? Do I have a broad enough community? Um, but I absolutely think that there'll be loads of people out there that this would this would hit. Sparking a, and a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Emma, what about you? In terms of if you think back on your own kind of journey, <laughs> what were you? What would you say now, looking back, would be your first steps? Um, I'd, Go to I'd one of James's find events. my people sooner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, was, I was lucky. I had uh, free mentoring um, from this sort of local cooperative development uh, extraordinaire called uh, Mark Simmons. Um, and that really helped me to get out of my attic <laughs> and, and actually one, talk to people. Attic. Step one, get out of your attic, start talking to people. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I sort of looking at your natural tendencies, I guess. So my natural tendency is to kind of sit in front of a computer and then just think very hard at it. Yeah. Um, and then there, there came a point where that was, that was not helping at all. Um, so yeah, finding, finding your people, Mm. um, who are you going to start this with? Um, yeah, so building your team is really key. We get quite a lot of inquiries from people who sort of say, I've got a great idea and I want it to be a co-op, Yeah, but you're not a co-op when you're one. So you need to find those co-founders who are willing to work on those terms in terms of sort of shared ownership. This is what it's going to look like, Absolutely, you know. And yeah. build from there because that small community or that small network can grow quite quickly, but you kind of want to agree the fundamentals early on with that network, with your sort of co-founding team. And what is the fundamentals for the co-founding team? Like what is the, you know, I know like most um, businesses, when they eventually exit, the founders only end up owning about 8% of the business. But what way does it work on a cooperative? Like how do the founders get value from this long term? 
There are a few models, aren't there? Like, st- like, so there's anything from Stocksy, which has got three categories of founders. So that's um, uh, like a, a rival to Shutterstock, um, stock photo sales. Um, and they've done it so that they have like s- sort of a found founder member categories of shareholder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's more along the lines of the fair shares model. Yep. Yeah. Um, then there's us, uh, where, yeah, I'm not getting anything out of this except a, a salary. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I think that's also to do with me coming from a charitable background rather yeah. than a, um, uh, private business. Mm. So we've just set it up as no, there are no special dispensation for founders. Yeah. Um, there is just everybody, the purpose and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's keeping it quite pure. <laughs> And the third one? Is there a third one? No. You can... The beauty of the co-op model is you can structure it in any way you kind of want. So you can be any legal form and still be a co-op. Mm. Um, in terms of how you recompensate uh, founders for that, that early sweat equity, for yeah. instance, that can all be written into your governing rules. Um, and really, I think that's why you need to understand your co-founders. Are they looking to do this? as part of their serial entrepreneurship and just creating something and then leaving? Or is this something that they're in, in for the long haul? Um, quite often you'll see founders... Uh, are they looking to make money? Are they not? Are they not? And, and, and if, yeah. if, it's make, yeah. if, if they're looking to make money, then this might and probably isn't the model for them. Mm. Um, but They'll they, make some money. They just will, not absolutely. And, and co-ops have to be uh, businesses. You know, they have to, they have to yeah. be trading to be viable and um, otherwise they're not doing anyone any good at all. Um, so you need sound business principles, you need a sound business model, you need a real route to market, you need to be able to develop your platforms and and, and all the other things that a, a traditional startup might want to, but you also need this authentic engagement with your community um, and your community may well be co-founders and so you may you need to listen to their input and listen to I their... I think the other massive difference is that as a founder of a private startup, you're looking at you're, you're looking at selling your business at some time, at some point down the line, yeah. uh, and then you're kind of looking at these things like earnout and the amount and the amount that you're eventually going to sell that business for, mm. and then you're kind of multiplying that by how much equity you've got. Um, whereas a platform co-op, I mean, we don't we don't want to be sold. We've yeah. made it as difficult as possible to buy us and to be as unattractive as possible to, <laughs> to any. So- you know, so it's so it's a very, it's a very different approach because you want to build something that's sustainable and that keeps that um, uh, keeps the ownership where where it needs to be, which is the users of the platform itself. Um, so it sounds like you're building a legacy. Maybe <laughs> you're definitely yeah, offering a... security over the longer term. Mm, this yeah. is really interesting stats. So every year, Cooperatives UK does a sort of state of the nation report on the size of the cooperative economy. So this year. The cooperative economy is worth £36 billion to the British economy. Um, there are over 7,000 co-ops. But interestingly, the survival rate of co-ops is twice that of a traditional startup. So about, I think it's around 80% of co-ops will survive the first five years, um, whereas traditional startups, it's near about 45%. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that is, is because of the vested in, uh, commitment of, of the, the founding members or the membership, yeah. because... It's their business. They, they want, collectively want to make sure it's better rather and, than that's just my job. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, and that's where the, the, the real value and the, and the cooperative advantage sort of comes right from the outset is that everyone's vested. Uh, you have collective interests that are shared um, yeah. in making sure that that business succeeds over the longer term. And that, uh, that definitely provides assurances that you might not receive in, in other sort of traditional business models. 
Lovely. I really thoroughly enjoyed the chat with both of you this afternoon and hopefully that has lifted the lid uh, on a potential new funding channel for many businesses out there. I think um, uh, that you may find that you'll get a few inquiries after this. Um, <laughs> if you have any other questions oh, around... We're, we're also, I should I need to say this, we're recruiting uh, because we've just run a successful community share office. Yeah. So we're growing our team. Um, so yeah, we're kind of bringing our dev team in-house. So there will be both developer roles and um, more kind of operational focused roles on our website uh, in the next kind of, I don't know, four to six weeks or so. And they will have an opportunity to own part of the business. Absolutely. Amazing. Definitely a unique offer and not too many of those um, out there in Manchester at the minute. Um, If uh, you have any further questions around uh, cooperatives, how to start on this journey, um, we'll include all of the uh, links that uh, James and Emma have mentioned today in the show notes. Um, Look up unfound.coop. And um, you'll find all the helpful information and, uh, and useful uh, content, content there. Um, but for now, we hope you get a better night's sleep. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank Cheers, you. Jess.